sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hey, it's Ted Sobranski, Teddy Covers, and welcome to Cover It here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. We have a loaded show for you today, like we do every week. This week, no exception. We've got a Hall of Famer, Dave Koken, uh, joining us in our number two. Dave Koken has been in Las Vegas, gosh, I think he got here in the early 80s. He's been a fixture uh, as a better and as a radio personality ever since. Uh, we'll talk to Dave and break down college hoops in hour number two. In hour number one, I'm going to say, well, I've been trying to do one older guy, one younger guy. Some weeks it works out, some weeks it doesn't. But Koken's the old legend, uh, the younger guy this week. Junior Brown, up-and-comer and a really solid NBA handicapper, a guy who does this uh, full-time and a guy who I've got a lot of respect for. We'll bring him in in hour number one. So you want to stay tuned for the next two hours. Koken and Junior Brown. That's not a bad duo. We're going to break down college hoops. We're going to break down NBA all from a betting perspective. First, let's do a little house cleaning, a little Super Bowl recap. Uh, Obviously, we haven't been on since the big game was played last Sunday. And certainly for me, it wasn't a great day. I had the Chiefs. Many of you had the Chiefs, I'm sure. Um, Kansas City did not play well, and that's putting it mild. And I really think, in, in retrospect, the one thing I have to you, know, you say, what lessons do you learn? You know, what can you learn from your loss? Because that's so important to do. I talked about doing a post-mortem after every single day. These are the good decisions I made. These are the bad decisions I made. How do I improve my decision-making process? How do I, all of that stuff. I've talked about that before uh, on the show. So in doing the post-mortem for the Super Bowl and my money on Kansas City in the Super Bowl, uh, it was very clear to me that... The off-field distraction with Brett Reed was the key factor of the game. I mean, look, the Chiefs hadn't looked like that all year. I mean, really, that was the worst game Kansas City played, both sides of the ball, all year long. It wasn't close. They were a distracted team. And I was trying to think of other, like in the 72 hours before the game, other situations that had affected teams in the Super Bowl. And there were two that really stood out to me. There was Eugene Robinson with the Atlanta Falcons. When Robinson uh, was arrested, I believe it was a night before the game for solicitation. Um, he was out, uh, looking for ladies and Atlanta was a no-show the next day in the Super Bowl. The, the loss of their guy <laughs> and the distraction that close to the game was enormous. There was no overcoming it. The other one was the previous time the Bucs were in the Super Bowl. Barrett Robbins, uh, the Oakland Raiders at the time, their starting center went AWOL in Tijuana. The pressure got to him the night before the game. And of course, without Robbins, the, the Raiders were essentially no-shows in the Super Bowl against the Bucs, a blowout victory. So the situation with Brett Reed was kind of like that. I know it wasn't a player. This time it was a coach, but it wasn't any coach. It was the coach's son. And it was the coach's son in a serious off-field, you know, the the car accident, kids in the hospital, kids on life support, uh, DUI suspected. I mean, it's not a minor deal. And it was very clear from the coaching staff on down, the Chiefs didn't bring their A game. They didn't bring their B game. The issues with Brett Reed 
most assuredly affected Andy Reid. How else could you explain Reid calling those timeouts for halftime? Which, <laughs> if you study the film for what the <laughs> what happened just the previous game uh, for Tom Brady and the Bucks against Green Bay, where essentially <laughs> before halftime we saw a comparable circumstance. The fact that Reed called those timeouts in that situation, not just on first down, but also on third and two, just setting up Tampa Bay to make that. <laughs> I mean, they set him up. Uh, and that was not one of Reed's better decisions, to put it mildly. Um, there had to be an impact. There was an impact. And it wasn't just the coaches, that was the whole team. So, in the future, the lesson learned from this that it doesn't matter if it's the night before the game, two nights before the game, a couple days before the game. If you're in a Super Bowl situation and there is a clear off-field distraction for one of the two teams, I'll tell you what. Doesn't matter what your handicap of the game is. Doesn't matter what you thought the two teams were going to match up-wise. An off-field distraction for a team going to the Super Bowl is a killer. And a major one, like the Brett Reed car accident that doomed Kansas City, no question. Uh, about it. Kudos to all of you who cashed in with Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, I wasn't one of you. Uh, kudos to all who cashed with the under. And of course, uh, the, the one of the things that makes it even more frustrating, you know, what you hate as a as a professional better is that a lot of my friends, the guys who I run with, they're all Tampa's the right side. You got to be on Tampa. Tampa's clear. They all cashed in betting Tampa. They all cashed in betting unders. They all cashed in uh, betting the Chiefs player props under, and that was huge. You know, for the books, and we talk about how did the books hold so much for the Super Bowl? They held so much because if you were betting any Kansas City over, I think what what uh, Travis Kelsey still went over. He went, went over yards and receptions. I think Mahomes went over uh, attempts, pass attempts. But other than that, just about any Chiefs over bet you made in the props went in favor of the house, not in favor of the betters. <laughs> they all cashed under. So wise guys did well. Mm, casual betters, not so much. And for the purpose of this game, I was most assuredly a casual better. Look, it's Valentine's weekend. We have a loaded show. I'm also going to talk later in the show about why I chose to get married on Valentine's weekend. It'll be a good story. Stick around. Short break here. We come back. Junior Brown joins us right here. Cover it, Sirius XM, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM at Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Stay on the grid. So today's show is all about basketball. I know I talked a little football at the top. You got to do some Super Bowl recap. But today we're going to deep dive NBA hour number one, college hoops hour number two. We're going to talk not just about games, not just about teams, but about processes. How successful bettors go through the card on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, 
what adjustments they make when they're winning or losing. All kinds of questions we're going to ask. And we're going to talk NBA right now with a guest who I like as a human being as well as as, as a uh, uh, basketball better. That, of course, is Junior Brown at J.R. Brown with an E at the end. J-R-B-O-B-R-O-N-E 21 at J.R. Brown 21 on Twitter. And I'll consider him, well, let's call him an NBA expert, a professional uh, better from the great country of Canada in the North, although he's in the States right now. Junior, Hello. welcome to the show. I'm here. <laughs> I know you you're there. <laughs> How are you Yes, today? sir. For some reason, I was having some connection issues, but uh, I'm very excited to be on the show. I was speaking to you before. I said, listen, anything Teddy's, uh, Teddy Covers is involved in, I will absolutely support. So happy to be here. Looking forward to uh, getting started. Sure. Well, I mean, let's start from uh, the beginning. Um, you are, at this stage in your life, a professional better. Tell me your superhero origin story. What's uh, my, your background? How'd you get into the business? Um, how are you doing what you do now um, compared to where it was? I would say it has to start, I guess, as a young man. Uh, you know, as every person that competed in some sport, you always thought you were going to go somewhere with that. Um, I used to play basketball. Uh, I, I would consider the level I played at a very high level. Um I say that because in, in my day I competed against uh, players that you would know, Teddy, as, a, as an expert in all sports. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play against guys. I, I guess I'll be giving away my age, too. But in high school, I played against guys like Elton Brand. I played against Ron Artest, now known as Meta World Peace. Um, I played against guys like Ed Coda, uh, North Carolina point guard for Vince Carter. A bunch of these guys, right? So I, I was playing at that level. I thought uh, that I was at that level. Clearly, I was not. Uh, and as I started getting older, um, I'm a very, I guess, um, I just put a lot of thought into my reality and my surroundings. And my reality was, I want money, and this is not going to get me money. Um, maybe today, <laughs> if, I was, if I was born in this generation, um, I, I still coach at the program where I used to play as a kid. And, you know, a lot of our guys, I, I have to be careful, Teddy, because of the industry we're in, I don't want to start naming my players because even just doing what I do and coaching players that are going to go play in NCAA, it could get a little bit uh, tricky. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? But one of my former players right now is a point guard at the University of Yale. I told him, uh, not, not that he took my specific advice, but, you know, uh, Ivy League, yeah, that might not be a basketball hotbed, but you're setting yourself up for the rest of your life. So just always been involved in the basketball world. Uh, but I, money was always my motivation. Uh, on top of the fact that in order to actually, you know, have a career in basketball, you've got to be a good student, which I was. However, I had a problem with attendance. Um, <laughs> in my senior year, I was actually suspended off the basketball team for a month because I had gone to less than half the amount of school day. So my trajectory always was taking me off of what you would call. I guess the square path. I don't even know what what you know terminology. The, the becoming means, an but... athlete, becoming a professional athlete, pass. Yeah, yeah pass. exactly. Um, and I started figuring, trying to figure out how I can get some money. Now, I uh, was born in Montreal, and Montreal is kind of known as the sin city of Canada in the sense that uh, we've got more strip clubs than anywhere, probably except for like Vegas, Atlanta, Miami. Uh, we've got sports books. Uh, 
you know, poker rooms. And we also have an Indian reserve just off the island uh, where you can play or you can gamble in any way, shape, or form that you can possibly imagine. So I made my first parlay bet uh, probably, I think, about 15, 16 years old. By the time I was 18, I was literally gambling every single day. So my start was pretty young. Sure. <laughs> so and I, I was different. I didn't make a bet, like an actual bet with a bookie, until I was graduated Michigan and, and uh, you know, on out in the world. Uh, I didn't grow up with it. I didn't get there young. You got there pretty young, and you've been pretty good. What have you been doing since you've started betting? Is this Because I know you're someone that kind of bops around the globe a little bit. And I will say this for Montreal. I was in Montreal once, except for, I mean, I went there as a kid's trip once. So I was in Montreal once as a uh, teenager slash adult. And it was a very sinful 24 hours or 48 yeah, hours. Yeah. Nothing but uh, probably worse than Vegas in, in that regard for me uh, at the time. So, and there, uh, there was no drinking age back in the day in Montreal either. Uh, yeah, a, and, and we're a pretty big close to, so not to cut you off, Teddy, yeah, we're pretty close to, to, like, for example, from my house to the New York State border is about 45 minutes. Actually, I, used to, I have, uh, growing up, I had a P.O. box in in uh, Messina, New York, just to avoid paying taxes for when I get stuff shipped uh, from the U.S., it's just a quick forty-five minute drive. Go pick up my stuff and come back. So we're pretty cl- pretty close to the state. A lot of guys from Boston, a Rhode Island guys, a lot of upstate New York guys come because the the legal drinking age, even though it's eighteen, that's like seems like more of a suggestion than an actual legal <laughs> legally enforced drinking age. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, I do know what you mean. So. So here you are. You've decided that uh, you start making bets. And is it something that you initially had a lot of success with? Or was there a pretty steep learning curve the first couple of years? And how did you graduate from, you know, an 18-year-old making parlays into a older, you know, you're not an old guy. You're well younger than me. But into a man who is actually able to turn a profit from his uh, sports betting hobby. All right, so chapter two of my story would be that in my um, after I I didn't get kicked out of high school, but I just didn't go to enough classes to graduate as a senior. So I decided to move to Toronto, which is uh, you know the basketball hotbed uh, in Canada, anyways. I mean, you know, most of the guys in the NBA. There's still a lot of guys from Montreal in the NBA. We actually had a guy that got drafted by the Orlando Magic, uh, Kareem Mane, who he got drafted straight from a school. In Montreal, he never played in the United States, uh, which is historical for for the city. Um, but yeah, no, I decided to move to Toronto just to kind of maybe revive my career, just to see if I can get some looks. But going to Toronto was actually much worse because uh, I lived with my brother. And well, first of all, I have to say I moved out of my uh, parents' house at seventeen, so I was always kind of on my own. Uh, and when I moved in. Uh, to Toronto with my brother, I was just basically doing whatever I want. So, again, I wasn't really going to school much, hanging with the wrong crowd. And to answer your original question, I was absolutely not making a profit uh, betting because I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I ended up getting As many, I mean, you're you're not uh, unique in that regard. You know, as a better, just about every better that I've ever met, the pathway is always the same. You lose, you lose, you lose. If you want to keep on doing it, you figure out ways to win. Um, Exactly. Evolution is a big part uh, of the process of getting from A to B. And I know there's so many out there who are listening to us right now. And a a surprising number, (laughs) 
you know, as we've seen more and more betters and more and more states legalize and more and more betters getting involved for the first time or for the first time seriously, we're kind of seeing that evolution take place on a countrywide level here in the U.S. right now. And what's going to happen, the good betters, the guys who are able to evolve, are going to be able to be doing this five years from now and making money like the poker boom. The guys that don't evolve, they are going to be out of the business five years from now, no longer betting. We'll have much more with Junior Brown after the quick break. We're going to talk about breaking down an NBA card and teams that he likes and dislikes moving forward. Stay tuned right here covering Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204. Stay on the grid. We're joined by Junior Brown, professional sports better, a guy who handicaps the NBA, I got to say, at a very high level. <laughs> and that's why I wanted him on the show today. And Junior, before the break, you were talking about your background as someone who bet casually fairly early, but someone who took a few years to learn the lessons about how to bet seriously and successfully. What happened? You were in Montreal, then you were in Toronto. Eventually, you end up down in Costa Rica. Yeah, so I uh, met a buddy of mine, uh, Rene. Uh, he's El Salvadorian. His brother was living in El Salvador. For those of you who are not familiar with Latin America, Salvador is a pretty dangerous place. Um, long story short, parents are like, you can't stay in El Salvador. Um, it's just way too crazy. He moves to Costa Rica. I go to visit him, and then the light bulb just went on. Uh, I was in the juice poker rooms. In an offshore book, I was kind of hanging there uh, on uh, during vacation because obviously he still had to work, and it just slowly but came. And uh, I actually came to my boss in Toronto that I needed a leave of absence. Went back to Costa Rica for what was supposed to be like 30 days, and I ended up staying there for like 14 years. <laughs> so, That's a long. Uh... Sorry, go ahead, Teddy. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, you know, thirty days versus fourteen years—it's a—it's a pretty big differential. Uh, the overcash with room to spare. Yeah, so Costa Rica is—if you gamble and that's what you do, that's what you want to do, that's the world you're involved in. That there are not too many places that are uh, better than that. So essentially, I started off um, working in an offshore book in some capacity. I uh, learned to move lines, learned to just how lines are made, what they're based on. Um, just just got integrated into that whole world, more of in a customer service way. Then I started moving up into management, and then I started working for one of the biggest books, definitely in North America, if not the world at the time. Again, got into management there. And, and um, I kind of was, like, stuck in a space where, okay, like, all right, well, I'm not 25 anymore when I first moved down here. Like, am I just going to still do this forever? Um, you know, this is after like 10 years. And then I just got into the consulting business, essentially 
Uh, I help certain brands uh, that I'm probably not at liberty to say just for my own uh, <laughs> my own safety, if that's the word I want to use, or my own for, for just for legal reasons. But I do consulting work for brands uh, that need help managing VIP players uh, as well as bet on sports professionally. So that's how I learned the game. So we're talking here, of course, with Junior Brown at Jr. Brown Twenty One uh, on Twitter, a guy who has been involved in the betting world for quite some time. I was thinking he was a young guy, and I guess you're 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 like a middle aged guy, like you know. And I, I feel thinking myself as a middle aged guy instead of an old guy. So it's well, just I'm how 41. it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm 41. I don't. I don't. I have no problem with. I've already said my age. If I played against Ron Artest in high school and Elton Brand, all you got to do is look at when they were drafted, and you know how old I was anyway. But yeah. Uh, I'm, I am proud of my age. I've been through a lot. I've learned a lot. And I think that, um, unlike the past 40, um, not that old anymore. I still go out all the time. I still have fun. But in terms of this business, um, I feel like I'm at the proper age in terms of my maturity to kind of understand, you know, there are rules to this game. As long as you stick to those rules and you adapt, you're going to make a profit. But let's talk about the rules right now. I want to talk about how to break down an NBA card. How Junior Brown, when he first sees the line, let's say it's the first, the first night of the season. All right, there's eight games on the card, sides and totals and first halves and all of that. Explain your process. How are you going to break down an NBA card on a night-in, night-out basis? So I think that it's very important to understand the sport you're dealing with. And in this case, we're talking NBA because I do, even though I do an NBA show uh, on YouTube, I do actually cap uh, NFL and soccer as well. And English Premier League, English Premier League, La Liga, uh, Serie A and uh, Champions League. But in terms of the NBA, especially in the NBA and the NFL, I look for continuity on day one of the season. I look for uh, teams that have had the same core with the same coaches. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be the same head coach. If the head coach got fired, but they promoted an assistant from within, I consider that to be part of the same culture. I'm looking for that to start the season until I figure out what the trends are. And when you say figure out what the trends are, what does that mean? How, how long does it take before you say this is a trend? How long do you say for, all right, we're going to start betting the Lakers on the road and under on the road, for example, one of the, Stronger trends this year. We're going to bet against Dallas at home. The Mavs have been a, a very poor home favorite so far this season. There are a number of them. How long does it take for you to isolate and identify those trends before you start betting on them? Okay, so this is, I, I'm going to talk like an old school guy for a second. I think that I learned this from my days of being a kid and just buying newspapers, taking out the sports section and throwing the rest of the paper in the garbage. I just read box scores. <laughs> I mean, I literally used to do that every single day. That, and that's something I started doing when I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, just reading box scores. I was obsessed with numbers, obsessed with uh, collecting cards because they had all the stats on the back. And I think that the, the newspapers and now, you know, ESPN and these websites kind of give you an indication of where the trends are. They always tell you the, the team's record in the last 10 or the last five. So I would think five is the minimum amount to consider a trend. Ten is a very good indicator of current form. Like, yeah, this team sucks overall, but what are they doing right now? You know what I mean? So I think that uh, sometimes we get stuck uh, handicapping teams based on reputation as opposed to based on current events. 
And I'm right there with you. I, I, I tend to go even a little bit shorter than five or ten games. A lot of times if I see something two games in, I'm trying to jump on it before the markets get a hold of that info. Charlotte on the road. Charlotte overs lately. Uh, a couple examples of that. Um, so it's something that I try to, you know, when I'm seeing an emerging trend, an emerging angle, an emerging, you know, and, and this has a lot to do with the, the particular makeup of teams. You know, Charlotte's, they're, they're I'm just using Charlotte example, their preferred uh, point spread role has been this road dog. You know, they've been really good road dogs. And sometimes it might take three or four or five or six or eight chances for you notice it. But if you're paying attention, sometimes you can pick up this stuff in two or three games instead of <laughs> five or six. And you're a guy that I know pays a lot of attention. Let's talk about line moves. There are so many betters out there, especially beginning betters, that don't really understand how you evaluate a line move. Will you bet a game after the line's moved for you? Will you bet it after it's moved against you? Are you worried about the sharp money, the square money? Do you worry about any of that stuff? Talk about line moves and the sharp square divide. So that's one of those things. I'm glad you asked me that question because I'm actually kind of curious, even though you're interviewing me, I respect your opinion, as you well know. So I'm curious to, to what you have to say. But I think that people hear other people say something and they just repeat it. For example, people will say, well, sharp money moved the line to X number. And it's kind of like, okay, but, you know, sharps are still even the sharpest knife in the, uh, like in, in, in the kitchen, still losing like 40 something percent of their bets. So sharps lose too. Um, what I personally do is I handicap all of the games in advance. And I do that for one specific reason. I try to make sure. Uh, that my thinking, my evaluation of teams is in line with the market. If I'm way out of whack with the market, then I might stay away from that team. But at some, sometimes my number might be way off from the market, and I just look at it and I'm like, you know what? My, I think my evaluation is good. I think that's a bad number, and I'm going to bet it because I think it's a bad number. So I do take sharp action into consideration, especially when I see obvious sharp action move the number in the opposite direction of what I was thinking. But I don't let it sway my opinion. I just take it into consideration, as everyone should. Yeah, and uh, you, you make a great point about, you know, that people talk about the sharp money. Number one, in the NBA, when it comes to sides, I believe that, the, that the, there are many professional syndicate groups that are making money with NBA totals. I do believe that. From a side standpoint, I'll take the under uh, on how many the syndicates actually make money betting sides in the NBA. Because they're betting injury information. The biggest moves you're going to see in the NBA on a night-in, night-out basis are based on the injuries. And the line moves based on the injuries. It's the same story. We've seen it a thousand times. I mean, (laughs) uh, let's see. LeBron James sits. The line moves five points. The opposing team lays down or lets down a little bit because they're not facing LeBron James. And everybody else on the Lakers steps up. And lo and behold, the line move is all wrong. And you see that in game after game, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's pure knee-jerk. And the fact that the wise guys, their goal, if they hit 50, again, if you're making 100 bets a night and you're winning 55 of those, you're real happy. You know, or you're making 50 bets a night or even 20 bets a night. 
You know, you're going to make money hitting 55%, surprising amounts of money. That means you lose nine out of every 20. You lose 45 out of every 100. I don't sweat the wise guys when it comes to the NBA. I really don't sweat them at all. Certainly not on sides. On totals, perhaps a little bit. On sides, not so much. So, Junior. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I want to make this. We've talked your background. We've talked some theory. When we come back after this break, enough with the background, enough with the theory. I want some teams. I want bet on teams, bet against teams, over teams, under teams, whatever you got, bring it. Stay tuned. Cover it here on Sirius XM Channel 204 continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. We're into segment number three with Junior Brown, professional better and NBA expert. And you gave your origin story. You talked about some of the fundamentals about how to break down an NBA card, some of the things you look for, some of the things you don't worry about. Let's get actionable right here in segment number three. Right now, Junior Brown. Give me a bet on team from the Eastern Conference and tell me why. Uh, bet on team, I actually, uh, even though they have not been cashing for me so far this year, for the last two years, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks at home, especially in the first half, has been absolutely money for me. Uh, that This is a team that knows where their bread is buttered. Uh, this year has been a little bit different because of, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, turnover in their roster. Uh, they still have the, their core of Middleton and Giannis, but the pieces around them are all different being integrated. So they've had a little bit of trouble, but I think that once it's all said and done over the course of the season, I think that they will be um, a profitable team for sure. Um, now, when I look at Milwaukee, I see a team that the betting markets certainly aren't sleeping on, a team that... I don't think it's as good as they were as last year on either end of the floor. And I've been making money this year betting against the Bucks when they step up in class. I like Milwaukee against weaker foes. They're a team I'm comfortable laying 8, 10, sometimes even 12 points with. But when the Bucks play another good team, I haven't been as impressed with Milwaukee. You think there's still money to be made with this team in the weeks to come because they've underachieved early on or because that the, the markets haven't fully uh, or because their, their bench is getting better or because their chemistry is getting better. I mean, what do you see specifically about Milwaukee that makes you like them right now as a team moving forward? Uh, moving forward, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of them continuing to gel as a team. I think that plus the sense of urgency uh, that they will feel at the top. Um, You've won 60 games multiple seasons in a row, but you haven't been able to get past the second round. That's unacceptable. You've now re-signed the best player in the league uh, to a small market. You've got to produce. So I just think that the pressure that Giannis is going to put on himself, uh, Middleton's going to put on himself, Coach Bud, who at this point, his seat's got to be 
maybe it's not hot, but is it, can I say it's lukewarm? Uh, he's got to get them to at least a, a conference final next year. And I'm sorry, I just misspoke. Um, I forgot that uh, the Raptors, who people uh, think that's my team, and I love to say, Teddy, I don't know if you agree with this, the only team that's my team is a team that may be money. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't have a team. Um, but, yeah, no, the <laughs> Toronto Raptors actually beat them in the conference finals two years ago. I kind of forgot about that. But the point is, uh, Milwaukee's uh, regular season has not uh, – regular season success has not translated to playoff success, and that's why they're playing, right? If you have a league MVP and a defensive player of, of the year, now you're talking about an all-time great player if he plays the, the requisite number of years to, to be categorized as that. So you, you have to take advantage of that. So I just think it's a sense of urgency – plus the continuity that's going to continue to build. Same system, same coach. I think those things are all going to come together. And because of their slow start to the season, the market is going to take a little bit longer to adjust to their new, you know what I mean, the, their success later on. Bucks at home as a bet-on team for a Junior Brown from the Eastern Conference. Do you have another one you want to talk about from the East? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like the East at all right now, but I will say the Boston Celtics are another team that has just had a lot of continuity issues because of all of the, the COVID, the random injuries. Four of their five starters have been injured, right? Uh, Kemba Walker, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, and who am I forgetting? Uh, and Marcus Smart. They've all had injury problems. They've all missed time. And I think that once they get all of their horses back uh, and get them healthy, get them a certain amount of games together, I think that you're talking about a team that's better than last year for one very specific reason. Jalen Brown has taken up a, taken a step up in class. When you, He's already an elite defender, and now he's scoring 26 points a game and doing it efficiently. Now you've got two all-NBA caliber players in Brown and Tatum. I think that in the playoffs, that's, what, that, that's where the success comes from. I think that's what Milwaukee's problem is. I respect Milton as a player, but the drop-off from Giannis 1 to the, your number two guy, Milton, is a pretty steep, steep drop, whereas the Celtics, their main two guys, I'm not going to say Brown is as good as Tatum, but is he that much worse, though? I, I don't think he is, and they're both very young. So I think the Celtics are going to be able to put it together. Obviously, Stevens, the continuity is there. The defense is there. I like everything about the Celtics. Is there a bet against team from the Eastern Conference that you're looking at right now? A team that you think if you bet against this team, let's say for the next ten games, you're going to go six and four or better. ATS. Someone stand out for you? Okay. Well, if we're talking about right now, I would say um, the Atlanta Hawks, and that might sound a bit strange because they're actually they're actually doing really well. My thing with the Atlanta Hawks, and this is this is where handicapping gets. Uh, a bit tricky because I said in the beginning, obviously, and you know this better, a lot better than I do anyway, there were rules to this game, and in order to profit, you have to stick to the rules. But you also sometimes just have to listen to your gut and my gut. And obviously, I watch games. And when I say I watch games, it's impossible to watch every NBA game. You know, 30-something teams or 30 teams, 82 games per team. But what I do is at the end of the night, Teddy, I go in, I watch the first quarter to see how you guys start, what your game plan is. I watch the fourth quarter to see who the coach trusts in crunch time and how you perform in crunch time. If the game is a blowout, then I go to the box score, figure out where the game was close, watch it from there until it's a blowout. But the point is, I think I put enough time into watching game film 
that I have a pretty good read on some of these teams. And the Hawks, I'm going to say this. When Trey Young is your leader, you're, it, 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 it's, so, it's so boomer bust. It's so like when he's on his game, you guys are world beaters. But there's, Trey, Trey Young thinks he's Steph, but he's not Steph. There is only one Steph Curry. And, and I don't blame Trey Young for that. He's a slight dude, you know, very small. He's not going to the hole a lot or else he'll probably get killed. However, Steph Curry goes to the basket a lot. Steph Curry mixes it up. Steph Curry does a lot of things. Steph Curry's an all-time shooter, probably the best shooter in the history of basketball. Trey Young is none of those things. He's a very good player, but I think when that's your best player, you're all uh, um, tough times are always right around the corner. And again, I don't mean to sound like I have a problem with Trey Young. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he does not have enough pieces around him to sustain the early success that they've had. So I think they will be a bet against team uh, moving forward. Junior says, bet on the Bucks at home. Look for the Celtics as a potential bet on team as they get healthy. Atlanta. Looks like a bet again from the Eastern Conference. Total-wise, is there anything that you're looking at in terms of an over-team or an under-team uh, from the East uh, that you want to highlight here? I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I do not bet a lot of totals. Uh, the only Eastern Conference team that seems like a lock in terms of overs right now is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets can't defend anyone, and nobody can stop them from scoring. So um, they, they should be... Uh, a bet on team uh, when it comes to overs. Um, but I tend to stay away from totals. Um, oh, another bet on team in the opposite conference. I know you didn't ask me about the West. Maybe I should hold off. On we'll that get there in just a minute. I was, I was just going to focus okay. over there. So uh, <laughs> okay. don't worry. I'll, I'll flip you over to the West. Uh, right. Let's talk about the West, in fact, right now. A bet on team. Look, you were just about to give it, so give it. <laughs> well, a bet on team in terms of overs would be the Denver Nuggets. Um, I am personally not a believer in what the Nuggets do um, for the simple fact that the consistency is not there. Um, the effort level is really, really hit or miss with this team. Uh, so I'm, I hesitate uh, to bet on them. Uh, consistently, I'm actually trying to look up their ATS record. They're 11 and 13 ATS. Yeah, so I'm not crazy. They're, they're just such an inconsistent team. But when it comes to overs, their offense is, is really good, uh, especially if they can get Michael Porter Jr. to uh, fit into to what they're doing a little bit more. I think he takes the ceiling of that offense and raises it uh, another level. But I think Jamal Murray, until he becomes the consistent, a more consistent player and not a player that can just go off once in a while, their ceiling is what we've seen the last two years. Win a round in the playoffs, maybe two. But when the big boys come to play, they're going home. So I feel like Jamal Murray is in some ways, I'm going say a poor man's uh, Donovan Mitchell. But Mitchell's found that level of success. Murray, uh, or that consistency, I should say. Murray, uh, not so much in the great uh, Northwest. Um, how about a bet on team or a bet against team from the Western Conference? We talked totals. Let's talk a little sides here. They're a team that, again, right now, here we are. It's Valentine's Day weekend. Someone wants to bet this team for the rest of the month, for the rest of February. Give me someone they can bet on or bet against that you think they're going to make a profit with. Uh, bet against, I would say, the Houston Rockets. Uh, the Houston Rockets, what are they? What, what's, what's their strategy? What are they trying to do? Who wants to play there? Does the owner have money? Does the owner want any of the players? Uh, I just think that 
when it comes to the Rockets, uh, there are way more questions than answers. Uh, their best player is a low-efficiency, uh, often injured player, even though I think John Wall looks pretty good for considering how long he was out. Um, I just think this is a team with absolutely no direction, um, and their current losing streak is a reflection of that. But I've been saying this about them since they had James Harden, minus the identity part. They had an identity with Harden. I thought the identity was ridiculous. Um, James Harden, when he played at OKC, showed that he can play without the ball. He can cut. He can do so many different things. Why you would make him the most ball-dominant player in the history of the sport is stupid to me. But, again, I'm being very critical because they did come very close to making it to the finals. They should have beaten Golden State a couple years ago, but I I digress. (laughs) Well, and it's funny because you talk about the Rockets – uh, and a team that has no identity. And yet, I mean, Houston made their backers a bunch of money immediately after the James Harden trade. I think opposing teams didn't have any film on them. I thought John Wall was playing with passion. And it was just a weird amalgamation of players that worked for a couple of weeks. But can but, I say one thing, Teddy? I think yeah, that that was partly due to the disrespect that James Harden was showing for his teammates while he was yes. there. He literally acted as if they were bums off the street. And I think that when, when you, you know, regardless of the sport, when you can create a common enemy and, and, you know, something to band you together, I just think that you tend to play above expectations, but I think they're also now just coming back down to reality. And honestly, as long as Christian Wood is in and out of the lineup, I, I think they're going to have a lot of problems finding consistency. Uh, casual fans might not know who Christian Wood is. Uh, Christian Wood, and that was my whole casual. point right there, Junior. Right. I was going to talk yeah. about how the Houston Rockets. We talk about the impact injuries that matter. Christian Wood doesn't affect the point spread. Maybe a half point at the most. Nobody knows who he is. The Rockets haven't covered a point spread since he got hurt. Junior Brown, thank you so much for joining us here on Cover It with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel Two Hundred Four. Say goodbye to the audience. It's time for you to go, my friend. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me, Teddy. It's an honor. I've been to you. Pleasure's mine, Junior. All the best, my friend. We'll talk again next time. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of our number one here on Covering with Betty Covers. Series XM channel 204. And Junior Brown is a pretty sharp guy when it comes to NBA. Let me recap some of the teams he was talking about as bet on and maybe bet against uh, might be the stronger of the two. He likes the Bucks at home. He thinks you're going to make money with Milwaukee laying a price for them. And I like the Bucks when they step down in class. I've not liked the Bucks when they step up in class so far this season. So we agree with Milwaukee, the team you can lay points with at home. Junior also likes the Celtics. I've made money uh, with Brad Stevens repeatedly over the years in the road dog role. I always like the Celtics uh, catching points this year. No exception to that rule, uh, despite a mediocre road trip uh, last time they left Boston. 
when it comes to some of the bet against teams. Junior does not like this Atlanta Hawks squad, saying that Trey Young is too mercurial for his liking. A Hawks team that more likely to go four and six ATS or worse in the next 10 games than six and four or better as Atlanta as a potential bet against team. And I'm with him 100% with the Houston Rockets as a fairly strong bet against team. Again, guys like Christian Wood do not affect the betting markets one iota. The markets yawn. And if you look at the Rockets with Christian Wood in the lineup and without him this year, you looked at him, how they played offensively without him for the last uh, week or so, he's an impact player being priced like a nobody. Houston, to me, looks very much uh, like a bet against squad. So I have no hesitation endorsing Junior Brown's recommendation to bet against the Rockets. And he gave an interesting tidbit when you talk about the Denver Nuggets as a team he's looking to play overs. Denver, a team that certainly, with a center like Nikola Jokic, uh, their ball movement is extraordinary. And their offensive execution, when they're hitting, they're as pretty as any team in the league to watch. I don't disagree, but Denver's defense has been spotty so far this season. Hence, the over-recommendation moving forward. Hour number two on the way. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. Yes, it is.